You arrive at an apartment to find a 26-year-old man complaining of pain in the center of his chest that started about 10 hours ago after a night of heavy drinking followed by a severe episode of vomiting. His vital signs are blood pressure, 90 over 60, heart rate, 104, respirations, 22, oxygen saturation, 92% on room air. You note that his skin feels very warm. You obtain a 12-lead EKG that reveals sinus tachycardia with no evidence of STEMI. You're listening to 911Cast, the no-nonsense EMS podcast. This episode is brought to you by Madison Programs, a Brooklyn-based medical training and consulting company with over 20 years of experience specializing in emergency medical continuing education and AHA certification classes like CPR and first aid for community members and professionals. For more information, email madisonprograms at aol.com. I'm Scott Topiel, and this week, it's all about chest pain. Caring for patients with chest pain is a major part of being an EMS provider. In fact, modern EMS traces its roots directly to the need to provide timely, life-saving care to cardiac patients. Have you ever obtained a 12-lead EKG on a patient that was complaining of chest pain, only to have it come back normal? And by normal, I mean that it didn't show any ST segment elevations. Now, it's okay, you can be honest with me. Did you tell that patient that their EKG looked fine and that they weren't having a heart attack? If you did, you're in good company. Many of us have done the same. The 12-lead EKG is a powerful diagnostic tool. But, as Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. That's why it's so important to understand its limitations. The first thing to keep in mind is that a single, normal-looking EKG has very little value in the field. In some cases, your patient may be on the cusp of a full-blown STEMI, but you simply might have gotten there too soon for EKG changes to develop. Those of you that have repeated an EKG 5 or 10 minutes into your transport, only to find ST elevations suddenly appear, know exactly what I'm talking about. Then there's N-STEMI, or non-ST segment elevation MI. As its name suggests, this is a heart attack that happens without ever causing EKG changes. That's right, your patient could be having a heart attack even though the 12 lead looks perfectly normal. This type of MI is usually diagnosed through blood work by looking for an elevated troponin level. Troponin is a protein that's found in heart muscle and is released when muscle is damaged. These are real heart attacks and they happen way more often than you might think making up about 15% of acute MIs. The bottom line, don't let a good 12 lead make you second guess any other part of your assessment. If the patient has risk factors for cardiac disease and has symptoms that could be related to a cardiac cause, treat it as such, regardless of what your equipment tells you. While we tend to focus on MIs, there are a bunch of other potentially dangerous things that can cause chest pain. Pericarditis, an inflammation of the pericardial sac that surrounds the heart is one of them. This condition is commonly caused by infection, but it can also be triggered by autoimmune disorders like lupus or a number of other things like uremia and cancer. The chest pain caused by pericarditis is classically described as sharp, pleuritic pain that's often relieved by leaning forward and worse when lying down. Another classic finding are widespread ST segment elevations on the 12-lead. 
Since sepsis and cardiac tamponade are two potentially life-threatening complications associated with pericarditis, you'll want to perform a thorough assessment and monitor these patients closely. In some cases, pericarditis occurs along with myocarditis, an inflammation of the heart muscle itself. These patients are at an increased risk of developing sudden lethal ventricular dysrhythmias. Pleuritic chest pain is pain that gets worse when someone takes a breath. I remember being taught by a preceptor when I was a brand new EMT that pleuritic chest pain was reassuring because it meant that the cause wasn't serious. Turns out he was wrong. Pleuritic chest pain can be caused by any number of bad things, including MI, pericarditis, aortic dissection, pneumothorax, and pulmonary embolism. That brings us to non-cardiac causes of chest pain. Let's start with the lungs and pulmonary embolism, or PE. A PE occurs when a piece of a clot breaks off and then lodges in the pulmonary artery, reducing or preventing blood flow from the heart to the lungs. The most common symptom of a PE is shortness of breath, followed by pleuritic chest pain, cough, unexplained tachycardia, and symptoms of deep vein thrombosis, or DVT, such as swelling of one leg or calf pain. We discussed PE in more detail in episode 8, but for this discussion, know that it can lead to sudden cardiac arrest. Pneumonia is a very frequent cause of chest pain. Careful assessment is important here because patients with pneumonia, especially those that are advanced in age, can easily develop sepsis. If you see signs of sepsis, you'll want to treat according to your protocols, which usually includes a significant fluid bolus. But a fluid bolus is exactly what you'd want to avoid if you think your patient is suffering from acute heart failure. Both pneumonia and heart failure can cause chest pain and can produce crackles when listening to the lungs. This is where history and assessment become vitally important. A patient that has a non-productive cough, no fever, crackles in the lungs, and swelling to their ankles is likely experiencing heart failure and probably shouldn't get extra fluid. A patient with a productive cough, fever, crackles in the lungs, and no signs of fluid overload probably has pneumonia and should receive fluids if they're showing signs of early sepsis. When you're done listening to this episode, take a listen to episode 1 where we discuss sepsis in more detail. Another lung-related cause of chest pain is pneumothorax. These can occur from trauma or spontaneously without cause. The pain is usually sudden and pleuritic and is accompanied by shortness of breath. General field treatment consists of administering high-flow oxygen, but even a non-traumatic pneumothorax can turn into a deadly tension pneumothorax, so be prepared if things take a turn for the worst. Then there are gastrointestinal or GI causes of chest pain. GERD, or acid reflux, is a common mimic of cardiac chest pain. It can be retrosternal, that is, behind the sternum, and it can even radiate to the back, neck, jaw, or arms. It can last for minutes or hours. It usually gets better on its own and can be relieved with antacids. While not life-threatening, be careful to avoid getting biased when your patient tells you that they think they're just having indigestion. Ask how this pain is different from their normal heartburn. If antacids usually work, but they aren't right now, or if the pain is in a different spot than it normally is, consider those red flags. Get that 12-lead EKG to be safe. Although rare, esophageal rupture can cause chest pain, and when it occurs, 
it can lead to severe sepsis within just a few hours. This condition is caused by straining, strong coughing, or severe vomiting. The pain is often described as retrosternal and is severe and sudden. Of course, chest pain can also be caused by musculoskeletal injuries. This pain is usually well localized, limited to one specific area of the chest, and is reproducible with palpation. But don't assume that just because the pain gets worse when you press on it, that it's automatically musculoskeletal. Remember those pesky PEs? Turns out, pain that gets worse when you press on the chest is sometimes associated with pulmonary embolism. The bottom line, you need a very convincing story to decide that your patient's chest pain is musculoskeletal in nature. And that brings us back to our case. Although your patient's systolic blood pressure of 90 is on the low side, it doesn't quite meet your protocol's definition for hypotension. And while his heart rate of 104 is technically tachycardic, you're not that impressed by it. Your partner tells you that he thinks this guy just had too much to drink, but he also has a fever and is breathing a little fast. Although you're not convinced, you decide to err on the side of caution and work him up according to your sepsis protocol. You start an IV and administer a 1 liter bolus of normal saline and place him on a cardiac monitor. You transfer his care to the ER where he's diagnosed with sepsis as a result of esophageal rupture caused by his heavy drinking and forceful vomiting. Chest pain is often cardiac in origin, but it doesn't have to be. And while a normal looking EKG is reassuring, it doesn't necessarily rule out serious conditions such as early STEMI or NSTEMI. Also, non-cardiac causes of chest pain, such as pulmonary embolism or pneumonia, can also be life-threatening. Careful assessment, paying close attention to your patient's individual risk factors for both cardiac and non-cardiac causes of chest pain are an important part of providing good EMS care. That's it for this episode of 911Cast. We'd like to thank our founding sponsor, OneKit, makers of high-quality first aid kits. Check out their products at buyonekit.com. That's B-U-Y-O-N-E kit.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening.